All right. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That was a fancy cup. Now, let me just dive right into my message here. Now, have you ever wondered, why am I here? I don't mean like here, here in, in JSCM, in the in church building. I'm talking about here on earth. Why am I here on earth? What is my purpose in life? What is God's call for my life? Have you ever asked yourself the question, how should God's calling affect my decisions, my career, my future plans, and my concepts of success? What is God's call for me? And today I'm going to begin a series of sermons on developing your sense of calling. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you need to hear this message. Boy, you need to hear this. Brothers and sisters, knowing your purpose in life is central to all Christians. In fact, it's an issue that's central to all people. Everybody thinks about this, Christian or not. Everybody is asking the same question. What is my purpose in life? Why am I here? And for a Christian, it's better put as, what is God's call for my life? What is God's call for my life? You know, without a sense of call, you know, life can be quite miserable. Your job will feel pointless. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> You'll be reluctant to make plans. In fact, if you make plans, you will tend to doubt them without a sense of call. You tend to be fickle. You change majors. You move from one city to another. This is central. Without a sense of call, you can't see the big picture. So when hardships come along your way, they feel unbearable. Well, why would you even want to go through something hard? When, when, when there's no purpose or call on your life. You can't rejoice with friends who are experiencing God's plans for their life. You can't rejoice. Without your own sense of call, you can't rejoice. Actually, you might just end up envying them. The Bible calls us to run strong and to finish the race. But how can we finish the race when we don't even know which race to run? Your sense of call, brothers and sisters, it's central to your very existence. So that's what we're going to talk about. You know, every Christian, they need to develop their sense of call. Even people that I see that are serving in the church, that are even in full-time ministry, they need to develop their sense of call. 
You see, it's like a person can develop their sense of smell, their sense of hand-eye coordination in sports. That's something you can develop. Your sense of humor, hallelujah, can be developed. Amen? Yeah. Well, that's another message. Hallelujah. But today we're talking about developing your sense of calm. And just like you could develop all these other senses, this is something that we can grow in. That we can develop. And notice that I did not say every Christian needs to discover their calling. It's not what I'm talking about. It's not what I'm going to preach on. You need to develop your sense of calling. See, it's like this. If I can help you out, if I can help find out what God wants you to do with your life right now at this hour, that would be a good thing. No, you, you, right now you don't know. Maybe there's some job offers that are before you or there's decisions that are before you. You don't, even know, you don't know which path to take. If I help you right now find clearly God's plan and purpose for you at this time, that would be a good thing. Amen? That would be a good thing. But if I help you develop your sense of call, your ability to discover God's call, that will be much better. The former will help you for the meantime. The latter will help you for a lifetime. The former will get you on the right direction. The latter will keep you on the right direction. How many of you all know you can discover God's call for you right now? It doesn't mean you're going to actually follow through with it. We need to develop our sense of call, brothers and sisters. That's what, what I'm going to try to preach on. I don't usually preach series, but I'm trying to, I'm trying to discipline myself and, and go deeper in the Word. So we'll try to do that together. Hallelujah. All right. Let's develop our sense of call. If you feel me, I want you to say Amen. Now, before I start preaching on developing your sense of calm, we've got to lay down some foundational truths. Because you know what? Some people may lack a sense of calm because they don't take to heart that God has a purpose for them. They just don't believe it because of doubt, apathy, or ignorance. Or the devil may have planted seeds that say, God doesn't care about what you do with your life. He might have plans for them, but not for you. Or the devil might be saying, you're just a loser. You know what? All the gifts and talents you got, just, just take it and hide it. Because you might just fail at everything you do. And for those people, I want to declare to you the word of God. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Hallelujah. By virtue of, um, you know, as a child, by virtue, this is just a, is a tangent, but by virtue of martyrdom, you know, as a child, I thought that God's plans for me were to harm me. His plans for me were to send me into some deep, remote jungle. Try to evangelize all these people that don't understand what I'm saying. I would have to dress like them. I would have to eat like bugs and worms or whatever they eat. And then eventually after reaching out to them, they they spear me and kill me. All right. So I always thought the plans of God, if I really follow through with what God really wanted for me to do, 
it will mean harm. It will mean martyrdom. You know? That's not what God's word says. God's word says that I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you. I don't have, God doesn't have plans for you to start begging on the street. God doesn't have plans for you to go broke. God doesn't have plans for you to get in lots and lots of debt. That's not God's plans for you. There's somebody else that got, that got those plans for you, but it ain't God. The, the Lord our God, He's your provider. He's a father. You are his child. He wants to treat you good. Hallelujah. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. You know, you might, God may call you to go through some hard stuff. But once again, it's just a little while. It won't be forever. And a little bit of suffering may produce for you a lot of character. Open doors. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, God's got a good plan for your life. Amen? God doesn't throw your life over to random chance. Amen? He's got a specific purpose for you to fulfill. And you got a unique assignment that no one else on earth can complete but you. Hallelujah. Let me say that again. You got a unique assignment that no one on earth can complete but you. There are specific people that God wants you to touch. God wants you to bless. God wants you to learn from. God wants you to serve at. And only you can do it with your gifts and talents. You and you alone can do that. Hallelujah. The Bible says that we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance. In advance. You know what that tells me? If God's preparing good works for you to do in advance, that means he's got a plan for you. It's not that he looks at your life and he says, all right, what, what, now that you're a Christian, let's see what we can do with you. Let's see what we can. Uh, let's see what. All right, why don't you try just doing this for now? All right, just do this. All right. And then five years later, okay, you're growing a little bit. Here, here, why don't you go over there? Why don't you go to this city? All right, okay. All right, now you're doing good. All right, why don't you come over here? All right. All right, look. That's not a God who's planned things out in advance. God's got good plans for you. He's got assignments for you. And you know what? If God told you what some of those assignments are today... You will laugh. Because God's got a laugh of promises. Amen. Just like Abraham laughed and Sarah laughed. You probably laugh as well. Because some of those promises are amazing. So amazing they're amusing. Hallelujah. Brothers and sisters, God chose where you would be born and where you would grow up. For me, hallelujah, I was born in Daegu. <laughs> 저는 경상도 사람이다. 사람입니다. 대구에서 태어났고 여기서 살때 미국으로 이민 갔습니다. 갔습니다. Hallelujah. I was born in Daegu. I didn't choose that. God did. 
And then I grew up in Philadelphia. I did not choose that either. Man, if I had a choice, I would have grown up in the suburbs of Philadelphia. Hallelujah. God chose your temperament, your personality traits. You know, whether you are sensitive to people or whether you're more goal-oriented. Whether you are... Hallelujah. All right, you guys, some of y'all know about the temperaments. All right, God chose that. You did it. God chose your gifts and talents. Look, I didn't choose my talents. I'm terrible at sports. Okay, any sports that requires uh, uh, quick response and reflexes, I'm terrible at it. That's why God had me do wrestling. See, in wrestling, I mean, you can kind of, you don't have to be that quick. Hallelujah. Uh, wrestling, wrestling, I don't, don't get me wrong. Hallelujah. And God blessed me with, with a good body to, to wrestle. Hallelujah. But praise the Lord that, uh, that, you know what? If I, I think if I was blessed to be good at basketball, cause that's why everybody praying for, played in Philly. If, if God blessed me to be good at basketball, I think I wouldn't be a very humble man today. If, if God blessed me with a few more inches, just the way God gave me my personality and my, my, my different talents and gifts, if he blessed me a few, height, a few inches in height as well, I know I wouldn't be humble. I know. Because sometimes God will give me like certain days in which I was really good at basketball. It's weird. That's the story of my life, all right? <laughs> certain days I'm really good. And I'm just, just thinking these shots. And everyone's like, oh, oh, how did he do that? Game winner. Oh, again. Yeah. And then a week later, they're like, yo, yo, let me get Christian first, man. Let me, let me get him. And they, they pass me the ball and, yo, what you doing, man? Can you see where the home was going? Yo, stop shooting the ball. Pass it. Yo, pass. Yo, pass. Yo, stop taking them shots. That's the story of my life. You know what? Because on those days on which I'm doing real good, I can feel that pride rising up. Feel that pride rising up. And you know what? I was pretty good at wrestling. I was pretty decent at wrestling. I wasn't the best, but I was pretty decent at it. And man, I was so good until we got to the semifinals. And then all my uh, high school friends were like, man, you could, you, you man, just slam that chump. Just take him out with a quickness. I was like, yeah, man, I'm going to take him out. <laughs> no mercy. Man, we're going to win this thing. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. And I went out there, first 10 seconds, the guy did this double arm bar on me, and I never encountered it before. And he just flipped me over, and I was on my back, getting ready to be pinned. It's crazy. God just humbled me. He does that. Hallelujah. God chose your strengths and weaknesses. Hallelujah. God chose your strengths and weaknesses. God chose your ethnicity, color of your skin, quality of your hair, or lack of. God chose all those things. You can't, you had no say in it. And you know what? God made all these decisions for you, not just so that you can be unique, but he created you just the way you are so you can fulfill a specific call while on this earth. Your DNA fits with your call. 
And you know what? The devil, he could sniff out somebody with a good call, like a great call in their life. And you know what? Some of the things you've been through in your life, hurts, trauma, they may be a direct attack from the enemy to prevent you from fulfilling your call. Hallelujah. You know, sometimes a good sign of somebody with a great call is they've been through a lot of great suffering, a lot of great attack. That's usually the devil. He can sniff it out as well. He can, he can sense your talents, your giftings, your heart. He's threatened by you. So he'll always try to defeat in infancy what he can't defeat in adulthood. Brothers and sisters, God's got a call for your life. And if you try to do what your family tells you to do, or you try to do your own thing without inquiring of the Lord, you're going to feel like something doesn't fit. Or something big is missing in your life. You might experience success, but as that success starts to set in, without getting connected to God's call for your life, you're going to feel really empty. Really empty. It's like a puzzle piece that just doesn't fit right. You know, you can, you know, I used to, me and my sister, we used to put together like puzzle pieces, like 2,000, 3,000. Yeah, it was some big puzzles. And there'll be like a picture of like a, like a picnic basket or something. <laughs> and we look at the cover of the box and we try to put together puzzles. And man, it will be the, the hardest time, the, it was, the beginning was always the hardest uh, uh, time to get the puzzle going. And the beginning was always the hardest because you got all these pieces, you don't know where they fit. And, you know, in the beginning, you, you might just get desperate and uh, you take these two pieces that, that kind of look like they fit and the picture is like of the grass. So it just all looks like it's the same. And then you know it doesn't, but you're just like, man, I just need a breakthrough. There you go. And then you walk away from it. And you hope the next day it's going to look a little different. And you look on that joint and you're just like, that just doesn't fit. <laughs> That's going to be your experience without developing your sense of calm, brothers and sisters. You're going to feel restless inside. And what I want to do is help you develop your sense of calm so that you can discover the details of God's plans for a lifetime. Today we're going to look at one aspect of developing your sense of call. And I believe it's the most important. Let's look at Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Luke chapter 10 verse 38. Luke 10 38. Now... As they were on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. 
But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but only one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. Amen. It's the word of God. Hallelujah. Now, in this passage, Martha, what's she doing? Right. She's getting, she getting the meal ready. She's getting busy doing things and serving the Lord. Now, what's Mary doing? No, 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 no. Let me tell you what she's doing. Mary's doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. Mary, Matt, can you relate to this, brothers and sisters? You know, you, 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 know, you got like guests over. And maybe, you know, your roommate or somebody that's supposed to be helping you host. They're just chilling, playing PS3. And you run around, washing dishes, getting table ready. Or you be up in church. And you're busy mopping the floor. And your time's running out. And you're getting your all dirty. And then other people are just, just lifting their feet for you. Hey, l- let me help you out. Just loitering around doing nothing. Ignorant people. They are doing nothing. Can you relate to how Martha might be feeling here? I, I know I've had plenty of occasions like that. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus told us, whoever wants to be greatest among you must be servant to all. I think Mar- Martha's got the right idea here. Now she's cutting up fruit, baking the bread, setting up the table, and she's serving everybody. She's answering God's call to serve. And if lazy Mary would just help out, she wouldn't be so busy, would she? But how does Jesus respond? Right? Verse 41. Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken from her. I can just imagine Martha's response. That's why they didn't record it. It's like a no-brainer. Martha's like, I don't know what you just said. But look, all I want is for you to get married to help me out. Hey, is the water boiling yet? She's just like, run around busy. Now, in order to understand Jesus' response, to be fair to Jesus, it's important to look at what Jesus was responding to. What was he responding to? Look at verse 40. Verse 40. But Martha was distracted with much serving. All right, let's stop right there. The word of God is telling us that she was distracted. Now, what does that mean to be distracted? Like, right now, you're supposed to be listening to my message. But if on your notebook, you're doodling and dowling, or you're planning out the rest of this week, you're being dis- you're distracted. You're supposed to be doing something, but then you're doing another. That's the definition of distracted, right? 
Now, there is a time when we need to get busy and serve. But there is a time also when we need to simply sit at his feet. And when you're supposed to be sitting at his feet and you're doing something else, that's called a distraction. Now, I'm not saying that serving people is bad or that serving people is a distraction, you know. know? Hey, service team, stop that. It's a distraction. No, right? We're not saying serving and service is a distraction. I mean, you can plug anything in here. Right? Service is good. You can plug anything in here that's good, like missions, church activities, spending quality time with family, community service, counseling. These things aren't bad. But they are distractions when they replace what's first. We have a tendency to take anything that's good and use it as a distraction from what's first. All of us have that tendency, brothers and sisters. Actually, the, the, the title of my sermon, if, you, if you're taking notes, is First Things First. The title of my sermon, I don't know, I got lost. All right. First Things First. Turn to your neighbor, tell them that. First things first. Uh, My main point today is real simple. The most important lesson in developing your sense of call is to keep first things first. It's the most important lesson. If you don't get this, all the following weeks, it will get all jumbled up. You might be busy, you might be serving people, you might be serving the Lord. But it would all feel like a distraction. It won't feel like you are at peace, at home with God's call for your life. So we got to get this lesson first. So brothers and sisters, if you keep first things first, you, your sense of call will develop and it will deepen. You discover the details of your call much more naturally. And even easily, if you keep first things first. You'll be at such oneness with the Lord that everything you do will proceed from His guidance and wisdom if you keep first things first. Everything you put your hands to will succeed. But if you keep first things first. But when you're distracted and you're not keeping first things first, your sense of call will suffer. Your wonder and doubt why you're doing what you're doing. And your heart will turn like old milk, sour. Hallelujah. You begin to think, I don't want to do this anymore. Why am I so busy? How did I get here? And why is nobody helping me? Okay, your heart's going to get sour with the quickness. You don't keep first things first. Look at verse 40 again. Look at at this. Martha was distracted with much serving. Check this out. She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care? I stopped right there on purpose. 
Look at exactly what she said here. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve? Tell her then to help me. She's doing two things here that's just way off. Now think about this, right? Number one, Martha is accusing the Lord. Jesus, don't you care? You don't care about me. Right? And you know, that's how we feel. That's how you feel. When you don't keep first things first, your sense of call starts to suffer. You just feel like, man, why am I the only one doing everything here? Hallelujah. I never feel that way, by the way. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. By, by, by faith, I say that. Hallelujah. <laughs> now, you start accusing the Lord. Why don't, don't you care, Lord? And check out what, she, what she's doing. Second thing she's doing, look. She is commanding Jesus what to do. Don't you care? Tell her, I command you, Jesus, Savior and Lord, I command you to tell her to help me. Right, when you start commanding God what to do, there's something seriously wrong going on. That's exactly what Martha's doing. There's something wrong with this picture. And brothers and sisters, there's a lot of things I could preach from this passage. But I just want to point out one. The simple lesson that Jesus is teaching through his words are, Martha, first things first. That's all he's saying. Martha, first things first. And so I want to mention three points of how we can keep first things first. Okay. First things first. What are... What are some of the things that we need to keep first? Number one, first is relationship. First is relationship. You want to know God's call for your life? I want to know my purpose on this earth. I want to know God's call for my life. You want to know God's call for your life? Let me tell you right now. God's call is first to a person and then to a purpose. If you can't get this, all right, you, if you can't get this, you will not fulfill God's purposes for your life. You just be running around. First things first. First is relationship. God's call is first of all to a person, to fellowship, to love, to relationship, rather than to a purpose. God's got, got a call for your purpose. He's got a purpose for you. But first call is to a person. He says, come, sit at my feet. Lord, I want to know what you want me to do. Just come, sit at my feet. Lord, I want to go to the nations for you. All right, well, just come and sit at my feet. First Corinthians 1.9 says, God is faithful. By whom you were called into, what? The fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God calls you into fellowship with his son. And that's the most important thing to him. That's the first thing. First things first. Relationship, fellowship. Just have a good time. In the presence of the Lord. Develop nurture. That's why people, some people 
emphasize quiet times. But the funny thing is sometimes quiet times can replace your relationship with the Lord. It's funny. If it doesn't become a means to developing your relationship with the Lord, it can, it can replace putting God first in relationship. When Jesus called his disciples, he told them to follow me. He didn't say, hey, you guys, here you go. Uh, this is uh, my 20-page uh, ministry plan. I'm going to try to reach the whole world through this. Why don't you look it over, and then when, uh, you know, if you like it, you, know, you can come follow my plans. Mm-mm. You didn't even mention nothing like that. The disciples didn't even know what they were getting into, actually. He just said, follow me. That's it. Because that's what's first. When Jesus took up John and Peter and James up to the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus was transfigured. This crazy light came all around him. Hallelujah. And then they saw, who was it, Moses? Elijah, right? And guess what Peter did? Peter's like, oh, wow, Jesus, it's so good that all three of you are here. Why don't I build a tent for y'all and you can just hang out here? What are you talking about? And Jesus, and, and then you know what, what happened? Because uh, Peter was just so distracted. He just, just wanted to do something. Because it was, wow, wow, this is amazing. Let me do something. And then the voice of the father came and said, this is my son whom I love. Listen to him. The father didn't say, all right, that's great. I, I want you to build this tent over here and build it at this height and this dimension. No, God just said, man, what are you doing? Just, this is my son. Do you understand? Just listen to him. Just keep in relationship to Him. Hallelujah. God's call is first of all to a person before a purpose. And if that's not the pattern that you follow for the rest of your life, your sense of call will always be out of whack. Hallelujah. Let me go on. Number two. First things first. First is character. First is character. When God calls you to do something, before he calls you to do something, God is more concerned about who you are becoming than what you can do for him. Somebody say amen. amen. God is more concerned about who you are becoming than what you can do for him. He's in the business of character. He's not a pragmatic God. Where it doesn't matter how you get the job done, just get the job done. That's not God. God says, it's important that you get the job done. But how you get it done, and with what attitude and character you exhibit while getting it done, is all Important to me. Because I will be glorified through all of it. 
God calls us to live a, a holy life. The Bible says God calls us to live a holy life for 2 Timothy 1 9. And what's the purpose of being sanctified and being made holy? What's the purpose of that? Like, it's not so that we can uh, boast about how righteous and moral we are. It's not so we can just be more efficient at the assignments he gives us. It's, it's not so that we can look down on others who are not so holy. The Bible tells us, be holy because he is holy. In other words, if you really understand this, that verse, God is saying, be holy so that you can experience greater intimacy with me. It all points back to the relationship when you really think about it. God, the reason he wants you to be holy is so that you can draw closer to him. So you can experience how high, how deep, how wide, how long is the love of Christ. Hallelujah. If you're busy just doing things for God, and Lord, what's, what do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do next? What do you want me to do? You will never understand how great our God's love is. And so he wants you to get conformed to the image of his son. He wants character in your life. Because character is not just about, you know, oh, wow, look at her. She got so much character. When it comes down to character, it's also pointing to your relationship with the Lord. The more character, the more holiness you have, the closer you will feel to the heart of God. You know, and when we learn to trust God and, and God's building up our character, our holiness, our faith, that's when he builds us up for bigger assignments. You know, all great plans of God require faith. And faith can only be built in an intimate relationship with the Lord. A right relationship with the Lord will result in continued growth in character, holiness, and faith. So my word of advice, brothers and sisters, to you is yes, get excited for the gifts of the Spirit. But make sure you're also praying that you may grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, get excited about the anointing, the power to heal, signs and wonders and miracles. Get excited about that. But when you're at home and none of that's happening, get excited about the fruit of the Spirit too. Actually, get excited about that first. Keep that first. Because the more you develop your character, the more effective God will use you in all those spiritual gifts and assignments. But if you don't develop your character, you're going to shortchange your assignment. It's like this, right? David was probably the greatest king that Israel ever had. David was the greatest king that Israel ever had. No king after him came even close to David's character, heart, faith. Nobody came close. If somebody came close, they would have, they would have a book in the Bible. If somebody came close, we would talk about it and celebrate them. But no, when we talk about the kings of Israel, very few names come up. Everybody else, they turned away from the Lord. Everybody else, they, they lack character. Even Solomon, he had great wisdom. Homeboy was a mess up. 
He had great wisdom, but in the end, he proved to be one of the stupidest people that ever lived. Hallelujah. Is that what I'm saying? You know how many wives he had? Look, all right, that right there, man, this is not smart. Just one wife. That's wisdom right there. But do you know why David was so set apart? Why he stood out as all the kings of Israel? You know why? Because he went through so much. He went through so much. As a teenager, he tended sheep. He did these mundane, ordinary things that David was just like, I don't know what this has to do with anything. But, Lord, this is where you want me. I'm just going to tend sheep. And then later on, he was anointed as king, but he didn't actually come into the position of king until many, many, many years later. And all those years in between, he was on the run. Saul was trying to kill him. He had to act crazy. Had to hide out in caves. But during that whole time, God was building his character. David was like, Lord, I can't wait to be king. You know, just like Lion King, right? Hallelujah. I just can't wait to be king. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Hakuna Matara. And he's in the caves. He's just like, man, I know I'm king. I can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait to do all these things for God. But the whole time, what was God doing? Before you do anything for me, I'm more concerned about who you're becoming. See, David had a sense of calm. He understood that all that running around, it was for a purpose. See, when you have a sense of calm, no matter what you go through, no matter what suffering or hardship you come through, whatever, what setback or detour God puts you on, you know that it's all pointing to a purpose. And you endure it with joy. Because you know in a little while, God will vindicate you. God will raise you up. Hallelujah. But you need that character. You need that character. Hallelujah. So, you know, first things first is character. God's more concerned about who you are becoming than what you can do for him. And number three. First is obedience. First is obedience. Obedience is... The Bible says to obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than sacrifice. You know, when God called Noah, God came to Noah and told Noah to build an ark. Noah didn't present God with a ministry proposal, these great grand ideas and be like, God, what do you think about this? No, God came to Noah and presented him with an assignment. And it's just like that. God is more interested in your obedience than what all the amazing things that you can think of doing for him. He doesn't want sacrifice. He's looking for obedience. You might be like, but Lord, I want to pack up stadiums of thousands of people. And preach the gospel and see them healed, delivered, and saved. What do you think about that, God? And God's just like, mop the floor. 
You're like, but Lord, I don't want to do that. That's got nothing to do with what I want to do for you. God's like, to obey is better than sacrifice. Lord, I can't wait until I'm the lead pastor of a church. So I can make the decisions. Hallelujah. I don't want to do all these other things. Lord, I want to, I want to do this for you. These great things for you. I want to do these great things for you. And God's saying, uh, bless your heart. But what I'm looking for first is obedience. Can you be faithful with the small things? Will you be faithful with the small things? For he who proves faithful in small things, I will entrust with greater things. He who has, much more will be given. For he who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. First, brothers and sisters, is obedience. You see this? And you can get a picture of this when Jesus is washing his disciples' feet. You know? Jesus takes out the cloth, says to humble himself. He says, take, take off your sandals. Let me, wash the, let me wash some nasty feet. I'm washing your nasty feet tonight. And disciples are like, oh, man, I sure need it. Here you go, Jesus. But then we you know what Peter did. Peter said, no, Lord. No, it's not right. No, I, I, I got I to serve you, Lord. This, I got to bring, this is my sacrifice, Lord. And, and Jesus is like, Right, calm down, homie. Look, just sit down and give me them feet. And, and, and Jesus actually didn't say it like that. He said, if you will not be washed, you will have no part with me. You won't get dramatic? I'll get dramatic on you. And Peter's like, all right. Well, then not my feet, then my whole body. And Jesus is like, look, man. If you already took a bath, you just need to wash your feet. Sit down. I don't know what exactly happened, but there was a dramatic exchange. Trust me, it was dramatic. And Jesus is like, look, I understand, Peter. You, you're zealous for me. And you want to do all these things, great things for me. You want to, you know, all right, you want to wash my feet? Oh, great, great. You know, that's all great. But look, I just want you to obey right now. Just, just, just sit down. You know, sometimes obedience may mean not doing nothing at all. Obedience might be just letting people serve you. You might be, I got no problem with that. Hallelujah. Well, some some people do. Some people have a problem with that. The Marthas, they just need to sit down and let Jesus and just obey what Jesus is saying. Just, I just want to teach you today. Just calm down. Let me just let me just teach you something. First is obedience, brothers and sisters. First is obedience. And the word of God actually says, God is not served. God is not served. You ever think about that? God doesn't need anything, the word of God says. God is not served as if he needed anything. For he himself gives life and breath and everything else. Brothers and sisters, God's not looking for people to serve him. First thing is, he's looking for people to obey him. I know this, this is speaking to somebody today. I know this is speaking to somebody today. Hallelujah. I'm just saying, first things first. That's my message. First things first. 
And when you keep first things first, God reveals the details of his call for you. And they come very naturally. Your sense of call will deepen and develop. But the word of God says, it is God who works in you anyway, both to will and to work according to his good pleasure. God can easily reveal the details of his plan for you today. Lord, what do you want me to do with my life? Okay, well, here. Here it is. You want me to give it to you? Here, you want me? Here, you want it? Take it. God can, God can just give it to you. Right, right now, today. Who you're going to marry, what she looks like, you're going to have a picture right there with her. Hallelujah. Who your job's going to be, who your boss is going to be, you know? And all the bondage your, your boss is under and all the prayers you got to pray to get your boss out. And after uh, some season here at JSCM, God can show you which church he wants you to be at. Dry religious church. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> hey, hey, don't think that I've been at a church like this all my life either. I haven't. Just like many of you, I grew up in a very dry church. where I, The things of the spirit were very unfamiliar, unfamiliar to me. But I went through it. I went through that stuff. Hallelujah. God can reveal all the details. But just, just because you discover those details, it will not guarantee that you will follow through with them. Can somebody say amen? amen? That's why he keeps those details a mystery. Because if he gave you all the details today, guess who will be the Lord of your life? Me, me, me. Lord, I know what I need to do now. Peace. I'm good. Let me just take care of it. That's going to be our attitude. Let me just take care of it. No. And God knows us exactly. The, if we're left up to, to our own devices, that's what we're going to do. So what, Jesus, what does God do? God, God, you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And, and God's just like, He's decided. And it keeps it a mystery to test us. To cause us to depend on Him. He wants us to learn to keep first things first. You know what? You may even begin to obey God in one area, but when things get tough without a sense of call, you won't want to stay there. But if you keep first things first, you can go through any hardship to the glory of God. God doesn't want you to simply drift through life, going from one job to another just so you can pay the bills. That's not the purpose of your existence here. There's specific people he wants you to meet. There's specific places that he wants you to be at. Now check this out. Last year, I had no interest in going down to Australia. As much as I loved all the Aussie brothers and sisters that have come through this church, I had no interest in going to Australia. Maybe for a vacation. But to go and minister there? But, um, I don't even know what the spiritual condition is there. No interest. You know what, what God's done? God kept it a mystery until the right time. And he said, alright, I plan for you to be in Australia at this humble little conference with 25 people, dry, religious but hallelujah, I'm about to do something in their life that's going to rock that nation. Do you believe I can do that through you? But Lord, this is just a small little, tiny little conference, Lord. Do you believe it? 
Look, I'm not asking you for sacrifice. I'm asking you just to obey me here. You don't have to understand all the details. Would you obey? All right, well, well, all right, Lord. So hallelujah. We went, we served, and God did amazing things. And so you know, this past week, I get an email from a church in Sydney. Hallelujah. And then they asked me to come and speak at a college conference that they have in the summer. This is, you know, it's at the New Life Community, Sesson Church. And how I think it's a little bit bigger, right? They say it's one of their biggest events of the year. And God's like, look, see this? It was all planned out for you. But I intentionally kept it a mystery. I didn't tell you this grand scheme two years ago. I'm revealing it little by little. I just want you to keep first things first. When you keep first things first, the favor of God just opens up doors. Hallelujah. That you will never be able to go through on your own. Joseph went from the dungeon to the palace overnight. Immediately it happened overnight. But if you study the life of Joseph, he spent years sold into slavery, betrayed by Potiphar's wife, sent to jail, interpreted the dreams that he got right on, was forgotten about. Spent all those years. Hallelujah. And he could have gave up, but he didn't. He kept first things first. And God's favor opened up doors for him. That no one could shut. Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you. Keep first things first. That's the first principle of developing your sense of call. Let's pray. Lord God, we trust and believe today that God, you have an amazing plan for our lives, so God. You have not set us on this earth randomly or by chance. It's not like you roll dice to determine what we look like and what kind of personality we have and what kind of parents and families we're born into. But God, Lord, you had a purpose and a plan for all those details. You have an assignment for us. And God, today, we want to rise up with faith to truly trust and believe you for all of those plans, the details of that plan. But Lord God, where many Christians, they live in frustration. They go about aimless, wondering what the call of God is for their life. May the people here today, oh God, may they have a completely different experience. I pray that Father Lord, as they keep first things first, that their character would develop, even at a hagwon job, that Lord is paying minimum wage. It's got low taxes, but Lord, it's minimum wage. I'm not making that much money here. Lord, I'm getting old. I'm not married. What is the purpose for all this? And we're in those moments, oh God. May we always keep first things first. Because we trust that you are developing our character. We trust that you are more interested in what we are becoming than what we can do for you. 
You want us to be at the place where we are in so in love with you, O oh God, that no matter what assignment opens up for us in the future, we are never moved from that place of the cross. We are never moved from the place. We always, we are comfortable, we are familiar at the feet of Jesus. Hallelujah. But we don't want to sh- shortcut your assignments for us. Because Father, do what you have to do until those assignments are released. Do what you have to do so that, God, we will be faithful when all those things open up for us, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord.